You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Yoris Brion. Hey, this is Yoris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to Michael Anderson. Uh, Michael is the CEO and co-founder of uh, Etail, and that's a platform for multi-channel e-commerce inventory, order fulfillment, and price management. Uh, he has a background in the ERP industry, and he has spent most of his career in uh, enterprise business software. Um, he founded Etail Solutions about 10 years ago, uh, basically to solve some of the more complex problems multi-channel digital commerce sellers um, experience. And um, yeah, he, he's, he's got a ton of experience in e-commerce, uh, so I'm sure this is going to be a very interesting uh, episode. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to have you here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, yeah, maybe just to get started, can you tell everybody a bit more about your background, where you come from in your career, so that uh, our listeners can understand uh, a bit more about you? How, and, and yeah, how did you get started and how did you get to this point? Sure. So uh, I actually started my career um, uh, when I was about 19 or so. I started getting into ERP software. And uh, my, my first opportunity was actually to put in a uh, a barcoding system into uh, a retail location, actually working with uh, Great Plains, the DOS version. Uh, so that mm-hmm. probably dates me a little bit uh, and really kind of never looked back. Uh, you know, business software always just kind of made sense to me. And um, and so I stuck with that. I did a, a stint uh, doing some developer development work um, when Great Plains brought out their new Windows product called Dynamics at the time. This is far before uh, Microsoft bought them. And, uh, and then went into the, sort of the consulting side after I graduated from college. I, I went into the consulting side of doing ERP implementations. And, and uh, you know, as, as you stated, I've spent most of my career then uh, as a result in the business software space and, um, you know, in, in one role or another, but everything from development to sales to implementation. And uh, my first company was actually a hosting company uh, hosting ERP software um, way back in the dot bomb days. So. Um, I've kind of been in it most of my career, and uh, you know, as it relates to kind of how we got to where we are now, um, I, I guess I, I come at the e-commerce space really more from the enterprise software background, moving towards e-commerce as opposed to dealing with e-commerce and then trying to figure out the complexities of transactions and automation and things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, you've been at Etel, you founded it 10 years ago. Can you ex- explain us what Etel exactly does? Sure. So uh, if you're familiar with ERP, I would just say that the simple version of this is that we're kind of the distribution suite of, of an ERP system, but for the multi-channel world. Mm-hmm. But for those kind of not familiar with that terminology, um, what we effectively set out to do um, was to solve the, the challenges of selling across multiple online properties mm-hmm. with a single, you know, per single SKU. So if you've got a single product and you're selling on uh, you know, Amazon and eBay and your website, and maybe nowadays it's Walmart and also Google is launching a marketplace, right? You have many different listings on many different channels, but you mm-hmm. have to be able to control inventory. You have to be able to control price. You have to be able to control um, the content because every channel wants that content a little bit differently. And you have to be able to deal with the full order life cycle as well. And uh, that was really the, the challenge that we set out to solve uh, in a prior life, I was a vice president of sales and marketing at an ERP company, and we kept running into these types of opportunities. This is, you know, circa 2009-ish. We kept running into these scenarios where people, you know, wanted to 
sell on their B2C site and they wanted to sell on eBay, which had been around for a long time. And Amazon had really just launched their marketplace as well. And and the ERP system that we were working with, and really as I realized and sort of thought about uh, the different ERP systems I'd worked with over the years, there's no ERP on the planet that was built to deal with those complexities of the multi-channel mm-hmm. world. And uh, and so that was really the, the problem that we kind of set out to solve. Uh, we were fortunate enough to to land a fairly good-sized opportunity that sort of uh, helped, helped us launch the company. And, um, you know, that first customer had five Amazon accounts and three eBay accounts and a website, and they were selling shoes, right? So they had variant mm-hmm. products, and they needed uh, they needed to sell on Amazon. They needed to sell on eBay, obviously. But with Amazon, they needed to do competitive repricing. They needed to do drop shipping. They needed to do cross-stocking. So we went from what we thought was originally going to be a fairly simplistic concept to solving some really complex problems. And um, interestingly enough, the way that we started to grow was uh, I just did a sort of a talking head type of a, a video out of my basement where we had started the company um, in front of a whiteboard, just diagramming and talking about the problems we were solving. And I threw it out onto YouTube and kind of forgot that I did it. And we started getting phone calls. Um, <laughs> and it turns out that there just really wasn't anybody. And I would argue even today, there really isn't anybody who is dealing with these issues of uh, managing digital demand or, you know, these digital online online channels, which takes a lot of different forms these days, yeah. uh, all the way through the uh, the full fulfillment life cycle. In other words, uh, dealing with supply chain related issues and and so, you know, we one one thing led to another, as they say, and mm-hmm. um, we kept attracting these clients who were dealing with volume, so dealing with size-related issues and dealing with fairly complex scenarios of, you know, multiple methods of fulfillment, multiple channels that they were selling on, and needing to manage that at scale. And so we've kind of carved out this little niche for ourselves of, um, you know, we have a higher-touch relationship generally with our clients. Most of them consider us an extended part of their team. Mm-hmm. But we solve volume-induced pain, and mm-hmm. um, you know that that can range from folks who are doing you know, half a million to a million dollars a month in online sales mm-hmm. to you know top ten Amazon sellers uh, out on Amazon. And I think of, of the largest client had a catalog at one point in time uh, of 22 million SKUs that we had to manage, and Ooh, that equated well. to uh, over 100 million listings across mm-hmm. a couple dozen channels around the world. And so, you know, thank goodness not everybody needs that kind of scale, but it did it did help us to sort of push the envelope and really figure out how to solve things at, a, at you know, pretty obscene scales. And, and so that's really kind of established a nice little niche for us. Yeah, yeah. So can you give us a few, like, concrete examples of, of uh, what the, the advantages are of, of using eTail versus not using eTail and figuring it all yeah. out for the channel? Yeah, so I think to understand that, you have to understand a little bit about what it is that we do uh, at a slightly more detailed level, but I'll, I'll try mm-hmm. and keep this fairly simplistic. Effectively, what we do is we connect digital demand to supply, mm-hmm. right? which sounds really simple, but um, digital demand, I, I've even just moved away from the term e-commerce because too many people just associate that with a website. Mm-hmm. But digital channels and you know, digital commerce, especially with what Google is doing these days, Really, the, the, the online and offline worlds are really starting to get crushed together. And uh, even there are even aspects of brick-and-mortar uh, retail now that are digital in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about buy online, pick up in store, and things like that. And um, 
what we realized early on, so whether it's a marketplace like an Amazon and eBay or whether it's a shopping cart like a Shopify or Magento or BigCommerce or Demandware or whatever, um, or even if it's just an EDI wholesale dropshipping scenario where you're selling on Bed Bath & Beyond and they're just having you dropship your products to the end customer, all of those different channel types, uh, those sales channels, they deal with five common touch points. And this is what we kind of figured out early on. Uh, and the five touch points are you just need to be able to know what it is that you have, right? So the, the, the sales channel needs content, right? And they need it in the way that they need it, which is their own taxonomy and their own way of organizing that information. Mm -hmm. So you've got pictures, you've got descriptions and attributes and UPCs and shipping weights and all that fun stuff, but you have to be able to publish and or match to the sales channel. Mm -hmm. so that's touch point one. They need to know how many you have, right? So that's inventory management. You need to know where that inventory sits. Mm -hmm. And in our world, um, in the world of especially now distributed logistics, which can mean that your inventory might be in your warehouse, it might be at your supplier's warehouse, it might be at a 3PL that you run, um, where you own the inventory, but somebody else is shipping it for you. You may have inventory all over the place, but you need to know where it is, you need to know how much inventory you have so that you can intelligently determine how you're going to publish. Mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's the inventory aspect of this. You need to be able to price and control prices and manage price parity across all of your different channels, especially if you're a brand, you know, controlling and monitoring map is, is really a critical thing to brand integrity. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fourth component is you got to be able to download orders. So downloading orders is, sounds simple and, and sort of that component of it is, but then knowing what to do with the order across uh, uh, a distributed footprint of many, potentially many different locations and or many different fulfillment methods is a fairly complex thing, um, particularly in this day and age where you're trying to meet the demands of uh, you know, seller fulfilled prime on Amazon or any of these other guaranteed shipping programs across the other marketplaces. You know, consumers expect their product in two days or less now. That's just a thing. And mm -hmm. So you have to know where that inventory is in the first place in order to be able to route the orders intelligently. And then you have to be able to make sure it gets shipped on time and all that good stuff. So, so we're also an order management system that uses or can leverage up to seven different fulfillment methods. And then we've got distributed order management on top of that, which is basically uh, a fancy way of saying that uh, the system will figure out every possible scenario of how that order could be fulfilled within the timelines required and the business rules required and route it to the most efficient place, saving, you know, increasing margin after the sale. And then after that, you have to be able to publish tracking information. So you mm -hmm. get the tracking back out to the originating sales channel. So it's five basic touch points, but, you know, even in just explaining the five basic touch points, you can hear that there's just a tremendous amount of variables to deal with. Yeah. Um, and we figured out that if you could normalize the five touch points and let the system and the platform deal with the eccentricities of the individual sales channels and normalize the business operations to manage those five touch points, that becomes a foundation for scalability and automation. So that's the biggest problem your clients have when they come to you not being able you know, we, to scale enough because they have the whole logistics behind it that's not really following. Yeah, that is a very, very common problem. You know, we run into scenarios where people have, you know, reached six or seven figures a month in online sales. And that could mean that they're a large reseller, uh, mm -hmm. which is kind of our legacy client base, people with really large catalogs, uh, selling a lot of products in a lot of places versus now, obviously the shift over the last year and a half and two years has been that brands are going direct. And so, Brands are now just figuring out uh, or, or running into some of the problems that resellers have been facing for years 
Um, but oftentimes, depending on the brand, uh, they're experiencing it at uh, even more extreme scale um, because mm-hmm. brands generally have uh, their inventory already in multiple locations, whereas a lot of resellers don't have a tremendous number of locations unless they extend their supply chain. Right. So yeah. um, we're seeing different types of organizations have different needs, but generally speaking, um, visibility to where that inventory sits, what it's going to cost to be able to get it to the end customer has to be the starting point in order to determine how you successfully publish across your different sales channels mm-hmm. and knowing what commitments you can meet and so forth. And doing that at scale requires that you have a very integrated approach to looking at, at the digital commerce world. And whether it's a brand or whether it's a reseller, really uh, anybody who has experienced a certain amount of success in this space generally does that by putting together a number of different systems and or sort of custom building their own systems. And many times we get brought in to sort of help them out of the the corners that they've painted themselves into. Yeah, yeah. So um, sales channels that you integrate with, you already mentioned Amazon, eBay. Uh, what else do you integrate with? I was looking the other day, I, and we've done hundreds of different sales channel integrations. Okay. Um, but the you know there are there are common ones, of course. So you have mm-hmm. the major marketplaces, and we work with pretty much all the major marketplaces and a lot of the various countries that they sell within. We're a multi currency platform uh, as well in terms of the pricing engine and dealing with, with all of that. And then you know the major shopping cart platforms that you run into. So everything from the big boy shopping carts to you know. The, the Shopify and big commerce of the world, uh, and a lot of custom shopping carts. And then more and more as we you know, continue to work with more brands, especially the larger brands, they generally are doing a lot of uh, what we started out calling just endless aisle drop shipping. We're hearing terms like wholesale drop shipping, basically the same thing. It's, it's where you're partnering with a, a large retailer who's got a, a solid online presence. They want to offer your products on their website but they don't want to carry the inventory. So they just want to drop ship them when they sell them. And so, especially as we run into more brands and work with more brands, they've got a lot of those types of relationships. And so they're more one-offs and it's a lot of EDI type of work. But you know, if you take all of that into consideration, you know, we've, we've done hundreds of, of implementations across a lot of different types of channels. And, okay. and we know that that's going to continue, right? I mean, so that's that's why I think kind of normalizing down to those five touch points has been so critical for us because we don't have to figure out how to do those things anymore. We just have to figure out how that channel wants to see it. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Now, when people implement uh, your solution, what what's the outcome? What are the results that they see after implementing it? What's the impact on their business? Sure. Well, we have a statistic that we run every single year um, that we're fairly proud of. Um, And that is that uh, after implementing our system, within the first 12 months, our average client has grown by 108%. So more than than doubled in size on their digital channels. Um, And that is actually a eight-year average for us. So we've been doing this for almost 10 years now, and uh, and that's the statistic. And, you know, the the obvious question that kind of comes out of that that I get every single time is, how? Like what? Yeah, what yeah, yeah. secret sauce? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was going to be um, my next question. Yeah. And you know, it's it's interesting because we we certainly have tools that help really increase listing counts and and you know help you get a lot more strategic in your pricing strategies and policies and things like that. 
And those definitely can help increase and, and drive top line sales. But more times than not, um, what happens is that uh, when you get those first channels up and running, so we call it a phase one implementation, when you get that foundation in place where the catalog is loaded, you're connected to your sources of inventory, and now you just got to figure out how to start merchandising and leveraging that. Mm-hmm. Um, what ends up happening is every channel that you add becomes a lot less work. So if you think about it this way, if you didn't have a single source of truth to manage all of those five touch points that I talked about, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is you say, okay, well, I want to add, uh, let's say Google. Google is a great example because they're standing up a brand new marketplace. Um, they're 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 pitching this concept of a universal shopping cart. They have more eyeballs in the top of funnel product searches than anybody else on the planet. And now all they're doing is they're trying to just increase the efficiency, reduce friction in the transaction, and actually provide the ability to check out with Google, um, which then will make them compete with Amazon's bottom of the funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So great example, the new shopping cart and people want to get on it. Well, if you were, if you didn't have a single source of truth for those five touch points, you would end up trying to figure out how you deal with Google directly. Right, so you end up um, you know, using their tool sets, going through their interface, uploading their spreadsheets, and so on. It's learning how they're going to handle transactions, how do you handle customer service, all that stuff. Uh, as opposed to if you've got a single source of truth where your catalog is already loaded, and let's say you're already selling on Amazon and Walmart, and you've got rich content in place already, now it's just a matter of, okay, we snap in the, uh, the Google connector, and we map the content, and we set up your pricing rules, we map your shipping policies, um, and we launch. Mm-hmm. So the, the point of that is, coming back to the 108%, it's, uh, while we do have the tools, as I said, to increase top line and that could drive top line and be helpful in driving top line, a lot of times it's just that once the platform's in place, it becomes easier to do the things that you know you've always wanted to do but just never had the time to do. Right. Because yeah. the system is dealing with, uh, you know, it's an automation suite, so it's helping people to uh, do things in a more automated way. It's reducing the amount of labor that's required to do a lot of different tasks. And so therefore people have more time. And most people, when they come to us, they know what they want to do. They just don't, they're so busy just trying to keep up with operations every single day. They just don't have the ability to execute. Mm-hmm. And so once the foundation's in place, getting on the new channels becomes a lot easier and implementing the strategies and getting more creative with merchandising, getting more aggressive in pricing strategies, all of that stuff becomes a lot easier to do because you do it in one place and it manages all of your channels. So it's that people are able to execute on their growth initiatives that they just weren't able to do before is what I attribute a lot of that growth to. Yeah, that makes sense. How hard is it to, to set it up? Well, it is a, as I mentioned, we're, we're not a mass market tool, right? We are, we're Mm -hmm. an enterprise level platform. um, And uh, you know, 10 years into this, we're still slightly less than a hundred clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, but these are are a lot of the big boys of the multi-channel world, um, and so uh, most of these are doing generally multiples of seven figures a month, and mm-hmm. uh, in sales across a couple different channels. So it, it's not to be taken lightly. It's definitely not something you sort of step up to and say, "I'm going to self-implement and try it free for 30 days and see if I like it," and then I'll yeah, continue. Sure. We go through a very very um, formal implementation process. And there's a fundamental reason. So the, the fundamental reason is this. In order to be able to achieve scale, you have to leverage automation. Mm-hmm. And automation is nothing more than data-driven decisions. So if you don't have a catalog that is set up correctly, 
where you've got a single master SKU in the base unit of measure that is mapped to all of your different listings across all of your digital demand channels. And that could include unit of measure conversions, like a three-pack or a 12-pack. It could include, you know, a product that's sold as a kit somewhere else, right, or is assembled into another product. You've got to have integrity in that catalog because otherwise, once automation kicks in, it's just going to dig a deeper hole for you that much faster, right, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have bad data. So... So we go through this formal implementation process um, to to get our clients live, and it depends greatly on how many channels, how many fulfillment methods, do they have integrated suppliers, are we doing drop shipping for them, you know, a number of different factors. But generally speaking, I would say it's going to be, you know, two months on the short end, uh, and you know, five, sometimes six months on the on the higher end for some of the larger projects where there's lots and lots of different channels and/or variables. It is, it is a formal implementation process that you go through, similar to what you might experience if you were implementing an ERP or a WMS type of a system. Yeah, of course. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't really expect it, uh, expect it to be uh, plug and play. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, there's so many variables to it, so uh, yeah, it, it, it only, it's only logical that it, it takes a while to, to get it all up and running. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about e-commerce in, in, in general. Um, what yeah. kind of trend, trends do you see in e-commerce these days? Well, I, there's a. I mentioned earlier. You know, we our legacy client base is, is largely resellers, and you know, nine years ago, that was who was primarily dominating the marketplace space um, were these large resellers. And uh, what we are seeing is is I don't think going to be any news to anybody listening to this. Uh, is just that brands are going direct. And, you know, we started seeing heavy trends two and a half, three years ago towards this. Um, and resellers were starting to get a little bit nervous at that point in time. Um, and, and I would say that has now transitioned to, uh, sort of an urgent situation for a lot of the resellers because they're losing chunks of their catalogs to the brands as they, as the brands transition to figuring out direct strategies. And so. Right. So I would say that that's the first component is that brands are going direct and yeah. it's a trend that is going to continue. I think it is now generally accepted um, by pretty much everybody. They they kind of expect to see brands representing their own products, at least on their own website, if not on the marketplaces. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's, that's changing the market quite a bit. It's changing things, especially uh, for resellers. As it relates then to kind of the, the trends that we're seeing with brands, um, I mentioned earlier, we're, we're steering away from the term just e-commerce because of the baggage it carries with it. Uh, what we're seeing is that, uh, seeing and I guess kind of coaching our, our customers on is you have to really look at how you're going to pull together uh, a digital commerce strategy. And that's that's going to encompass several different things. You have to, first of all, if you're a brand, you've got to deal with the concepts around channel conflict. How are you going to manage that? And that's a, we could do, you know, probably a couple of podcasts on just that topic alone. It's, it's sure, a tricky yeah. one, right? But one of the more important other topics that I think brands need to really be thinking about is the concept of um, understanding how to leverage distributed logistics in, in order to meet consumer demands and focusing on how you meet the expectations of consumers is critically important. And mm-hmm. Said, said differently, that largely comes down to this concept of you know, how Amazon has kind of spoiled us. If you think about it, as a consumer, we really, we like Amazon. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a Prime men- member, right? I enjoy getting products in two days or less as a consumer. 
also being in the business of helping uh, organizations try and meet that expectation in Seller Fulfilled Prime and so forth, it drives me nuts because to, to get a product to the end consumer in two days or less sounds really simple, right? Mm-hmm. You can wrap an order in dollar bills and get it anywhere you want to, but that doesn't mean you're profitable, which means it's not sustainable. And so figuring out how you take advantage or, or how you should look strategically at your fulfillment strategy in terms of where you place your inventory and which products are out towards the edges of your network versus maybe your long tail items that are held in a centralized DC and coming up with the right balance and the right strategy from a fulfillment perspective is going to be and is, I would argue, one of the biggest factors in terms of how successful you're going to be in the digital commerce world these days. And the reason for that is it's all around the expectation or the um, the, the consumer's expectations really that Amazon has set. And mm-hmm. you, you can't, everybody talks about the Amazon effect. Well, this is one of them. Consumers now expect that they're going to get their products in a couple of days or less. And it doesn't matter if they go from Amazon to then going to your direct website or going to Walmart or going to Google or to eBay or whatever. They bring those expectations with them, right? And, right. and it's proven by their shopping patterns. So if you go to the, most of the major marketplaces now, They've emulated what Amazon has done, which is they've got a little toggle on their site. And if you don't want to see products that can't get to you in some sort of an expedited fashion, they all call it different things, but basically two to three days, if you don't want to see those products, you can just basically shut those out of your search. Mm-hmm. So the impact on that, you know, Amazon has touted that it's a 52% lift in sales by having the prime badge versus oh. not having the prime badge. Yeah. Um, eBay and Walmart have also um, mentioned some statistics and conversations I've had. I don't know if they, if they published it or not, but generally speaking, you're talking 30% plus lift in sales if you can get things there in a timely fashion because that's how the consumer is shopping. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be successful in this space now, you have to think long and hard about what am I going to do from a fulfillment strategy standpoint in mm-hmm. order to be able to meet those expectations. And that might mean that you've got a warehouse that you own, and then maybe you partner with a couple other uh, 3PLs that give you a distributed footprint. It might mean that you're working with your suppliers and getting them to drop ship for them. It might mean that you want to open up a new location. Or in the case of some of these large brands that we've uh, been, been working with, maybe you want to take advantage of some of the master distributors you have in place, like the Ingrams or Cynics or DNHs of the world, for example. And if you run out of inventory in your location, maybe you want to drop ship it from them. Mm-hmm. So even though you've sold it to them wholesale once already, just drop ship it from them. The margins are lower, but it gives you that two-day footprint if you really need it. So there's all sorts of different ways to look at this um, based upon having the capabilities to deal with the variables. And um, But I think that fulfillment strategy to meet consumer expectations is probably going to be one of the dominant drivers here over the next year or two. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, we tend to talk a lot about marketing in in, uh, in this podcast, but uh, yeah, I never looked at it that way. It is driven by demand, obviously, but the whole logistics behind it and making it making it happen, the whole fulfillment behind it. That's uh, uh, yeah, that's actually a, a key area to to compete on and and, and make sure uh, you make it happen and, and meet those expectations of of the customer. Uh, maybe a long, one one last question. Um, what would be your number one piece of advice for people who want to grow their uh, e-commerce? It, it would depend, I think, a lot on kind of who they are. Right. Um, so if you're a reseller, 
you need to be figuring out what's going to make you unique. Mm -hmm. um, it is, uh, you know, over the years you get to, you know, I've built personal relationships with a lot of our clients, obviously, over the last nine and a half years. And there are really large resellers out there, you know, seven figures, sometimes multiples of seven figures a month that are, they might lose a single brand and that drops their top line revenue by a couple hundred grand a month. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not a single incident. It's not an isolated incident, right? Um, brands are going direct and you, you cannot ignore the trend. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so resellers need to figure out a way to add value into the mix other than just publishing online. They need to figure out ways to approach brands and actually turn around and get their brands, the brands that they represent to be customers. So you now that might be offer marketplace management as a service those mm -hmm. brands. Uh, it might mean negotiating exclusive agreements. It could be any number of different things, but it is going to continue to be really hard to grow a reseller-based business unless you can figure out something very unique about your supply chain. You've got to have unique access to a product. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be very, very tough to compete. Right. Um, if, if you're a brand, I think my recommendations would be very much along the lines of some of the things we've talked about. You, you have to look long and hard at how you're leveraging a distributed footprint um, mm -hmm. to be able to meet consumer expectations. And the brands who can do that effectively and be able to scale that are going to be the ones who really start to be dominant. Um, not everybody, not every brand has the luxury of being a destination brand. If you are fantastic, uh, you know, you've got your own set of problems to deal with, uh, volume related usually if you're a destination mm -hmm. brand. But there's a lot of what we would call distribution brands as well. So if you've got a, you know, I, I don't know if you've got a tool on the market, but there's 10 other people who private label that tool and are also selling it right next to your listings, uh, then it's going to be more about convenience. And mm -hmm. so you're, you, you can do everything you, you can and you should definitely do everything you can to differentiate your brand. Uh, and build value into your brand. But if your brand is sort of on par in the market with another brand and they're side by side and your product is available in four or five days and the other one's available in two or three, um, guess which one the consumer is going to go with, right? Yeah. You have to think very strategically about how you differentiate, not just from a product and, and branding standpoint, but also from a logistics standpoint mm. to, to be able to drive top line sales. That's uh, yeah, great advice uh, to to end this uh, this interview with um, Michael. This has been absolutely great, and and we could probably go on for a very long time, but uh, we're running out of time. And I just want to make sure that people um, know how they can find you, learn more about you. Um, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Uh, you know what? Uh, if you're listening to this and want to reach out to me directly, I'm happy to chat with people. Just shoot me an email first. It's just Michael at EtailSolutions.com. Uh, otherwise, if you're just looking for information, uh, just come to our website and engage with us there. It's etailsolutions.com, so E-T-A-I-L solutions.com. And um, you know, there's, there's certainly ways to engage with us through our website, and we can set up a time to chat. Um, but uh, we're always happy to, to have conversations and take sort of a, uh, a low-pressure type of an approach to just, hey, is there is there a place where we can add value and solve a problem? And, and if so, fantastic. If there's not, then maybe we know somebody in the industry that we can point you to. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. It's been great. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you much. The E-Commerce Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Dexter.Agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. 
Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.